Despite having his vaccine mandate for private businesses slapped down by a federal court last week, President Biden isn't finished with trying to impose his will on Americans. This time, the White House has announced mandates on the trucking industry, an effort that could potentially have major effects on an economy already struggling with supply chain issues. At this point, you have to wonder if the administration is actually trying to cause more problems for the American people, for the economy. Friends, it is time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. We have an economic situation that feels a bit precarious these days, right? We've got rising inflation. We have a supply chain crisis. We have a lot of jobs that remain unfilled. And the Biden administration's response to so much of this is to say, well, it's the fault of COVID and also we're going to spend a whole lot more money. Spending a lot more money is going to make inflation worse. That's just obvious. Like adding fuel to a fire, you know what it will do. But they don't have any other tools, it seems, they're willing to use when it comes to getting the economy up and running and going at the speed, the level that it should be. And then beyond that, of course, we're going into a winter where cases are rising in a lot of very heavily vaccinated blue Democrat states. So what are they going to do? step back and say, you know, maybe some of our policies, maybe some of the decision-making around COVID in the past has not been entirely correct and we should think differently about this? No, that's not what they're gonna do. Instead, they're pushing even more. The problem you see is that we didn't lock down or mask or vaccinate hard enough. We gotta do more of what they want, more of what they told us would stop this pandemic and clearly has not. Here's the Biden administration uh, or rather, the Biden administration is announcing vaccine mandates for truck drivers. Here you go. This is from Yahoo. President Joe Biden will require all truck drivers who cross U.S. land borders to be fully vaccinated by January 22nd. The administration was planning to announce uh, earlier this week. The mandate will apply to all essential non-resident travelers crossing U.S. land borders, including government and emergency response officials. Why exactly is this? a good idea. There's already how many people, illegal aliens being led in the United States, unvaccinated. They don't have to get vaccinated every day. Thousands and thousands of them. But truck drivers now, we might take some truckers, a lot of them, off the road. If you're wondering how many and what kind of impact this could actually have on the economy, here's Chris Spear, president and CEO of the American Trucking Association, saying that, well, here's what his drivers are saying. I want to be clear and qualify this, that this isn't about being pro or anti-vax for us. Um, you know, we're been, we've been moving the vaccine, PPE and test kits. So this is uh, something our industry is very forward leaning on. Uh, but in our sample survey of our fleets, uh, it, it came back as 37% of our drivers not only said no, but hell no. Now let's just take a conservative number. Let's just say 3.7%, not 37%, were to actually leave rather than get the vaccine. That'd be catastrophic. We're already short 80,000. That's gonna inflate to a quarter million. So for us, you know, we've tried to be very clear with the administration that if you do this, I understand the logic behind it, but if you do this, these are the consequences. Serious consequences. Catastrophic was the word that he used. Biden administration just thinks they'll make people do it. They'll make them do it, really? may not be that simple. Not when it comes to truckers. Without truckers, the U.S. economy, commerce, really comes to a screeching halt. 
So who's really got the leverage in the situation? And then there's the little fascist Fauci who's still running around trying to come up with ways to spread his propaganda as though he's been so great all along. All of his ideas have worked out. Everything he says is true. He knows how to beat the virus, right? Right? Of course not. Fauci changes his mind every few weeks as the data shows once again that he's wrong pretty much on everything. And so now he's focusing in on what icky words might make people feel uncomfortable when it comes to the authoritarianism of the Fauciite mindset. Here he is on vaccine mandates and how we should maybe just not call them mandates. There we go. There's a lot of evidence that the mandates are working in Florida uh, under uh, Governor DeSantis's policies. Some types of mandates are prevented or off the table. Is your view that that is acceptable policy or does that raise the risk of illness and deaths in Florida? Well, we do know that mandates, or let's call them requirements, mandate has a special little tinge to it, that requirements work. Requirements. Why don't you just call it a mandate? It's so important. You're saving lives, right? Why play word games? Oh, because you're a little propagandist and people are starting to figure out you don't ever actually have the answers. And you make people do things that are unreasonable and do not work the way you say they will over and over again. But he even went beyond that. You can tell that Fauci's starting to feel the heat a little bit. People are figuring out who this guy really is. Because he's going after folks like Tucker Carlson and saying that they are literally killing people with what they say. Watch. I do what science drives you to do, and that's what I do. And, you know, I'm not in it for a popularity contest. I'm trying to save lives. And the people who weaponize lies are killing people. So the only question I have is that when you show Tucker Carlson and Peter Navarro criticizing me, I consider that a badge of honor. A badge of honor. That's what he says about it. Interesting, isn't it? What's really going on there? Why would he be so vicious? Why is he so angry at Tucker Carlson exactly? What's that all about? Tucker Carlson merely, among others, people like me, point out where Fauci is wrong. Seems very strange, doesn't it? Something very strange indeed at work here. Um, and it's because Fauci takes all this very personally. He's starting to realize that people see him for who he is. And Fauci is a little fascist tyrant, and he has done so much damage in the name of making us all safe and healthier, are we? More people have died from COVID this year with the mass vaccination campaign than died in all of 2020. Explain that somehow. It's, it's the unvaccinated's fault? So more people die from the same virus when there's no vaccine, I'm sorry, when there's mass vaccination than when there's no vaccination, but it's the fault of the unvaccinated. That seems very strange, doesn't it? So, Dr. Fauci's out there. Oh, he's still saying it's more likely COVID-19 came from an animal outbreak, by the way. Watch. People do want to know where this thing came from. Um, President Biden also talked about an intelligence process for that. There's been some information. Intelligence agencies disagree, which sometimes happens. The FBI believes in the theory that this came from a lab in China. Uh, is the FBI right or wrong in your view? And will we ever get to the bottom of this? Well, Ari, if you look at the virologists, not the people who want to politicize this, and look at the virologists who actually know about evolutionary virology and biology, they tell you that it is much, much more likely 
that this was a natural evolution from an animal reservoir, likely to a bat, a bat to another intermediate host to a human. Hmm. Interesting. All right, details continue to emerge about Darrell Brooks, the man accused of killing six people and injuring dozens more at a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. We'll have the latest developments with investigative reporter Drew Hernandez when we come back. Let's talk about protecting your most viable asset, your home. You have homeowner's insurance for a good reason, because without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. But there's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you financially. This is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way onto your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with Drew Hernandez. Six people dead, one of them an eight-year-old boy, and 62 others injured after, after Daryl E. Brooks sped through the Waukesha Christmas Parade on Sunday. Where's the national news coverage? Hmm, seems like they want to sweep it under the rug. Take a look at this. This is a photo of today's Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Notice anything missing? The Waukesha Parade attack is gone from the front page. Just a day after the suspect appeared in court and the announcement that another victim, an eight-year-old boy named Jackson Sparks, had died of his injuries. The parade attack won't get the wall-to-wall coverage that the Rittenhouse trial did, for example, because it does not fit the left-wing narrative. Joining me now is investigative reporter and the host of Drew Hernandez Live. Drew Hernandez, appreciate being with us, Drew. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. So here's what we know so far. Uh, Daryl E. Brooks is a career criminal got bail jumping, reckless endangerment, aggravated battery, tier two sex offender, felon in possession of a firearm. This guy's got a long criminal history. And there has been some attention paid to the fact that he was out on bail, $1,000 bail, two days after being arrested for allegedly trying to run someone else over with his car. What, what happened here? How is this even possible? Well, here's the truth. Darrell E. Brooks Jr., a.k.a. Math Boy Fly, publicly called for violence against white people on Facebook, and Facebook allowed it. He called to knock white people, including elderly white people specifically. He made that very clear on his Facebook post. It's clear he eventually acted on it because by masquering, uh, excuse me, it's, it's clear he eventually acted on it by masquering multiple white people with his SUV at the Christmas parade in Waukesha. Will Facebook be held accountable? And I'll also say this, Notice the contrast here. A white kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, in Wisconsin, shoots three threats and kills two of them in self-defense, and the fake news media cartel declares him a white supremacist to the world. But an actual black supremacist in Wisconsin targets white people and murders them with his SUV, and the fake news media cartel blames the SUV. It speaks for itself. Yeah, Drew, it's, it's I guess, should be expected, but still really galling to see how motive somehow doesn't even get discussed. We're not allowed to discuss it until we're 100% certain, as if you can ever be 100% certain unless you're inside someone's head what led them to do something. They initially told us that Brooks was fleeing another incident. Well, as of today, we know that Brooks intentionally drove his car into the parade 
and zigzag to hit and kill as many people as possible. Yet, if you look at the New York Times right now, they have stories out that make it sound like this was uh, an unforeseen tragedy that came out of nowhere. A car, not a person, driving a car, ran some people over. It's almost like they're treating it as though a tornado hit instead of a mass murder attack by somebody who, as you point out, had said that he hated and wanted to attack people of a different race. Absolutely. MSNBC commentators have called this an accident on live television. Wikipedia called the massacre a Christmas parade car crash. They do this because they want to cover up the fact that it was a murderous black guy with obvious anti-white views all over his social media accounts. Anybody could see this and find this for themselves. And he had an extreme criminal history, like you mentioned, including sexual misconduct with a minor. It does not fit their stupid race-baiting narrative. Plus, most of these woke media cartel networks hate white people as well, so they won't report accurately on actual white victims. What happened in Waukesha was a mass hate crime, not an accident. Daryl Brooks used the pseudonym, as you said, Math Boy Fly, and there, there's uh, proof people have it from Facebook that he publicly called for violence against white people, and as you said, Facebook allowed it. Uh, learned and taught behavior. So when we start uh, knocking white people the blank out, I don't want to hear it. The old white people, too, knock them the blank out, period. Well, and there's another one. Daryl E. Brooks posted in support of Black Lives Matter here as well. Here's a post we can clearly see him saying, F the police. Uh, then beyond that, we have anti-Semitism on his online presence here. Daryl Edward Brooks expressed black nationalist anti-Semitic views praising Adolf Hitler saying real game right here. Uh, if this, Drew, if this were a situation of a white person attacking any minority group with his vehicle, and all of this was found on that person's social media accounts, I think the entire Democrat-aligned left-wing media would be saying that it was clearly a hate crime and a terrorist attack. We're hearing neither of those things right now. How is that possible? Absolutely, because they don't want to make black people look bad, even if they're violent criminals, racist criminals like this, that actually take action on their words based off of what they say on social media, that they want to attack another race. This is what has happened with the fake news media cartel. They've put themselves in a position where they've bowed the knee to the mob, to where they cannot even come out and report accurately, because if they do, they're going to be accused of being racist if they actually report on a real black supremacist that commit violent crimes against white people. So they've put themselves in this position where they've aligned with the neo-Marxists, they've, they've aligned with the neo-communists, they've aligned with these people that are literally causing people in the United States of America to bend the knee to their abusive powers. And right now, this is exactly what you're seeing. So who gets hurt in the end, Buck? The people that get hurt in the end are obviously the people that are victims, and their stories don't even get told accurately because this is what these people have decided to side with in the media. Do you think at some level there are people in the media who, maybe it's subconscious, maybe it's more at the front of their minds, recognize that all the rhetoric that they used about Rittenhouse as a white supremacist, a murderer of black men, as we know, he didn't actually kill any black men or shoot at any black men. He killed three or killed two white guys and shot a third one. But do you think the media might recognize at some level their recklessness uh, with the Rittenhouse trial and the way they covered it, what they said, the lies they told about it might have, at least in part, been involved in the thinking of someone like Brooks, who decided that he was going to take it upon himself to kill a bunch of people in response? 
I would probably say no to that. Uh, this is just my opinion. I would probably say no. I mean, you would have thought they would have learned from what they did to Nicholas Sandman. They didn't learn after that. They continued, and then they went after Kyle Rittenhouse right after that. And then even then candidate puppet President Joe Biden literally uses an image of Kyle Rittenhouse as a poster boy of white supremacy. And it's proven that Kyle Rittenhouse is nowhere near a white supremacist. He's vindicated, he's acquitted. And even right now, a couple days ago, Jen Psaki is asked by Ducey himself, Fox News of Ducey, uh, hey, uh, is the president gonna take back his comments of Kyle being a white supremacist? She doesn't even say no. She just doubles down and says, well, the president commented on a violent video and that's exactly what he did. These people, they're not gonna pull back. They're gonna double down because this is about power. It's about narrative and power. They wanna control the minds of millions of people that continue to believe their fake narratives. That's exactly what they want. They want power, they want control. That's exactly what propaganda is for. So they won't pull back. They'll just double down because they don't care. Drew, appreciate your perspective. Come back again soon, yeah? Thank you. Members of Congress are calling for the removal of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for his disastrous handling of the crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border. We come back, Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs stops by, tell us why he thinks it's time for the DHS chief to go. But I want to tell you again about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto is something that you can have huge gains in. A lot of people are really getting more and more into the crypto markets. Well, where do you start? Well, that's why you need My Digital Money, because Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these digital tokens, you need a platform where you can buy and sell them. My Digital Money is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with amazing customer service. And they'll, answer, they'll actually answer your phone call and help you get started. Plus, they can hook you up with a Play Money account so you can test the market without risking your money. The crypto market is heating up, so this is a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with more All the Line. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas doing what he does best, weakening the southern border. Mayorkas has successfully diminished border security by undoing successful Trump-era policies and incentivizing illegal immigration. In a recent statement, Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs accused Mayorkas of pushing policies that restrict the enforcement of our laws and reward those for illegally entering our country. Representative Andy Biggs joins me now calling for the removal. He is calling for the removal of Alejandro Mayorkas from his position. Congressman Biggs, good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. So let's just start with what you're calling for here. You sent a letter to Biden backing the Western State Sheriff's Association position on Mayorkas and its call on President Biden for the DHS Secretary's removal. I want to read a portion of what you wrote and have you uh, talk to us about what's going on here. You wrote, after witnessing this disaster over the past several months and listening to the continued rhetoric and intellectual dishonesty from Mayorkas, we must emphatically state our position of having no confidence in the ability of Mayorkas and his leadership of the DHS to affect any positive outcome. A decision to make this change must come immediately. If there's a legitimate matter of national security for this nation at this time, this is certainly one. Tell us what's going on here. Well, there's a lot going on at the border and the, the crisis is gonna be 2 million people uh, apprehended illegally in this calendar year. Um, and then you have another half million at least uh, uh, getaways into the country that we don't know where they're from, uh, malevolence, uh, their degree of malevolence uh, and, and what their background is. We simply don't know. Uh, cartels are, have uh, 
folks working for them throughout the United States now. You have over 100,000 opioid uh, overdoses as a result of this border uh, being so porous. You have additional caravans on the way. You have a promise of $450,000 for some folks uh, coming over. You have Mallorca's telling ICE, we're, gonna, we're not gonna find the criminal illegal aliens. If we happen on a criminal illegal alien, we might do something, but otherwise stand down. We're not gonna look for folks anymore. You've got over a million people with removal orders. And uh, it, it just, it, I mean, we could go on. I can get, keep giving you a list, but you got, you're gonna get uh, basically 300,000 people, 250 to 300,000 people a month crossing our border illegally. And uh, that'd be an invasion anywhere else. It's an article four, section four problem of the constitution in my opinion. Mayorkas is the author of this. He should go. I, I introduced him uh, uh, a call for him to be impeached months ago. And uh, you know, I'm glad others are coming out now. And so when the sheriffs wrote the letter, I said, golly, I gotta get on, I gotta get on board with the sheriffs. So approximately 4,165 border agents were unvaccinated as of last week ahead of the November, 20, uh, 20, uh, November 22nd COVID-19 federal vaccine mandate deadline. Firing border patrol agents during a border crisis doesn't seem to be the smartest move on the part of the Biden administration, does it, Congressman Biggs? I mean, if you're an unvaccinated illegal alien, you get to come into the country. But if you're an unvaccinated border patrol agent, you might lose your job. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's it, you can't get dumber than that unless unless you mean for this to happen. If you want an open border crisis, and I personally think that that's where Biden and his company is right now. They want an open border. Um, the, uh, when you have a crisis, you can consolidate power to the center, and that's what they're trying to do. But yeah, it's it's the double standard reeks. It just reeks, and um, you know to lose. Uh, these are most of these people too, Buck, are line agents. They are the agents that are working the border, and already you have 40 to 50 percent are off the border, just dealing with the processing every day. So we have vast swaths of our border that are more open than ever to facilitate these crossing. And, and they're bringing in not just COVID-19, but a whole host of other communicable diseases into the country. Congressman Biggs, it seems as though we're likely to have the most people in a calendar year ever entering the United States illegally, certainly close to it. Does the Biden administration really feel the pressure on this from the American people? Do members of Congress on the Democrat side recognize this could be a problem for them in the midterms, or do they think that people are kind of apathetic to it? Well, there's a handful of Democrats that uh, are in tune with this and they want something done and they've made their voices known. I'm thinking of Henry Cuellar of Texas and several others that have joined him. But you have people on the other side, like AOC and Tlaib and the squad with, and the progressives, which now is almost 100 people of the Democrats, they want this. They're, they want an open border. They, they don't think there should be a border at all. And so uh, then you get this group of folks in the middle, Buck, and, they're, and they have a tough election and they're like, uh, we're not quite sure what to do here. And right now the American people are slowly, it's a slow rise. Of, of irritation. When you talk to people, it might be outside of the border states, might be a third, fourth, or fifth, but it's a top five issue and it's going to get closer and closer uh, when we get to the election. When people start recognizing and thinking about this and looking at the crime that's coming and the health problems and the drugs and the human trafficking, uh, this will be a huge issue to them. Is there anything that you think is going to change about this border going into the midterms? Are there any 
moves the Biden administration is going to make one way or the other? Or is this just going to be status quo, which means a what feels like a de facto open border status for the foreseeable? Yeah, Buck, right now, um, the, the administration has rebuffed every letter, every inquiry, every investigation. Myself, my colleagues in the Border Security Caucus have, have requested. Uh, Mayorkas is, is flat out, in my opinion, he's misled Congress when he's testified. He's misled the American people. I don't think anything's going to change. You're going to see more of this. And as you do, um, unless the unless the left stream media, the CNNs and MSNBCs start really uh, questioning this stuff, you're going to see the inhumanity along the border and the, and, and the crisis will perpetuate. And uh, I just wanted to have you weigh in on the Biden administration policy that has to do with the border and truck drivers and other uh, essential personnel for transportation. Uh, they're now saying they need to be vaccinated to cross into, you know, cross essentially the international boundary between the U.S. and either Mexico or Canada. we got a supply chain crisis going on. They're going to go after the truckers right now? Yeah, that's asinine too, but that's typical uh, of, of, of getting in the way of good policy. So, so think about it. Um, so much of our fruit, so much of our vegetables, and, our, and, and it comes across the southern border. And uh, they want to have vaccines for those truck drivers. They want to have vaccines for our truck drivers, which are going to drive all kinds of truckers out of the business because they, they're in a truck eight to ten hours a day, but by themselves, sometimes with their spouse. They're doing these long hauls, and if you're coming from uh, across the border. Um, the, you actually are, are changing trucks. I mean, you're changing drivers. They're going to drop them off in a warehouse, a cooler down in Arizona or Texas, and then they're going to turn around and go back. So the vaccine mandate, uh, it, first of all, I think it's unconstitutional and it will remain unconstitutional. And we have to keep pursuing that avenue. But it also will exacerbate the supply chain and the entire economy um, looks to be like potentially even more crippled if you start driving truck drivers out, uh, yeah, Bucky could be sure. really- It, it yeah. seems, seems counterproductive in the extreme. Congressman Biggs, appreciate you being with us and uh, hope you and yours have a good Thanksgiving. And, and to you too, Buck, thanks so much. Americans prepare to celebrate the most expensive Thanksgiving day in a long time, thanks to the policies of the Biden administration. We come back, economist Stephen Moore stops by to explain why this year's turkey dinner is a uh, pain in your wallet. Right now, let me tell you about a potential investment opportunity. If you ever thought about investing in real estate, take me up on this recommendation. Go to doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. It allows everyday, hardworking Americans to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms how important it is to check these guys out. So how about this? Go to doneforyoubuck.com. At the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate, you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'm talking about the details, getting the city set up, the house, the broker, the loan, even a tenant in place, so I get cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Come to Steve Moore joins when we come back. Moms and dads are worried. Asking, will there be enough food we can afford to buy for the holidays? But families can rest easy. Grocery stores are well-stocked with turkey and everything else you need for Thanksgiving. Easy for President Biden to say as he jets off to his billionaire friend's $30 million Nantucket compound for Thanksgiving. 
while Americans struggle with soaring gasoline and food prices. Is Blue Collar Joe out of touch with the working class? <laughs> yeah. Let's ask senior economic contributor at FreedomWorks, Stephen Moore. Steve, good to see you. Good to see you too. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. So the economic, I'm uh, oh, sorry, the American Farm Bureau Federation says that 2021 Thanksgiving dinner costs are up 14% this year. Why is this happening, Steve? People want to pay more for their turkeys? Well, just because everything is, is more expensive now, that's what happens when you have inflation that keeps getting worse and worse. It's Remember when they talked about transitory inflation four or five months ago? Well, transitory means temporary. This doesn't look too temporary to me, and it doesn't feel temporary to you know tens of millions of Americans who are paying more for everything from groceries to gasoline to travel costs. Everything is is rising in price. And, and this is a result of um, the excessive partly a result of this massive excess of multi-trillion dollars of spending that's going on in Washington. If you're worried about the price of everything that you're paying for right now, then the absolute worst thing we can do for the country is pass this three to four trillion dollar spending bill. It will make the inflation much worse. It'll pour more dollars into the economy at a time when we already have too many dollars. We're gonna start looking like Venezuela and Argentina and countries where you know the dollar is just gonna shrink in value. So we gotta stop this bill if we want to stop inflation. Here is just a little bit of, dare I say, a taste of how much more expensive food is this Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, the prices are on the rise for the key items that people are going to be sitting down to eat tomorrow all across America. Turkey up 9.4% per pound, uh, or turkey per pound rather, up 9.4%. Potatoes 20%, onions 32%, uh, lettuce up 11%, Brussels sprouts, gosh. Don't tell Brooklyn and San Francisco get, about this they, one. Brussels sprouts up almost 20%, a fancy vegetable. So what's going on here, Stephen? Well, the good news is I don't like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> so, that doesn't bother me that Brussels sprouts prices are up. But and incidentally, those numbers seem a little low to me. We we paid over 20% more for our turkey this year than we paid last year. So the costs of our, our you know, they vary by region and so on. But um you know, we've been paying people not to work for too long. That's raising prices. We've got this incredibly um, out of control fiscal policy in Washington. Uh, we have a, I think part of it is also the war on American energy that's raising energy prices. And when energy prices rise, the producer, the, the cost of producing everything else in the economy rises as well. So, you know, we're now paying, by my calculations, about $1.30 a gallon more this Thanksgiving than we paid last Thanksgiving. That's, you know, to pay fill up a tank, that may you're paying 20 bucks more every time you fill up. Stephen, I mean, the Biden administration seems like they're at least trying to put forward a face that shows them not being particularly bothered by this. Here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on the increased cost of Thanksgiving this year. I don't know if you've cooked a turkey before, but a 20 pound turkey is a pretty big turkey. I think we can all agree. They're about $1 more. Uh, so not to minimize that, any increase in prices is something the president is concerned about, as is evidenced by his announcement today. Well, I mean, so she's basically saying it's not a big deal, but the president thinks it's a big deal because it's not. A, I, what? What's going on? 
Well, just first of all, her math is kind of wrong there. If, if you have a 20, and it, she is right that a 20 pound turkey, that's a big bird, but uh, it's not a dollar more. It's probably going to cost you seven or eight dollars more to buy that buy that Thanksgiving turkey. And and look, we're just using this as an example of every time you go to the grocery store, you know, you're paying instead of, let's say, your normal grocery uh, store visit, you paid $100. Now you're paying maybe $120 for your groceries. And that means people's paychecks are shrinking. Uh, we've got to get back to good economics. You know, under Donald Trump, we were energy independent. Energy prices were falling. You didn't see this kind of runaway inflation under Trump uh, because we had a well-functioning economy that relied on the private sector. Now, it is true that we had depressed prices last year during the pandemic. So some of this is due to, to that factor. But most of it, I think, is, is due to almost every Everything that Biden has done on the economy, in my opinion, over the last 10 months since he's been in office has been wrong. I, I could maybe point to one or two exceptions, but the massive increase in the size of government, that's a carrying cost and it carries through to everything that you buy, folks. And again, I want to go back to that bill that's, you know, that passed the House of Representatives, one of the worst bills in American history. Shame on the 220 Democrats in the House out of 221. It means only one moderate and 220 far left wing Democrats in the House voted for this bill. Now it's in the Senate and I'm going to dedicate the rest of the year from Thanksgiving till the end of Christmas to, to stop this bill and make sure it doesn't become law because I don't think it'll do so much damage to our economy. Gas prices also something that's getting a lot of attention right now. National gas price as of today, $3.40 per gallon at the pump. A year ago, $2.11. I mean, that's, people see that number and that's, you know, for a lot of folks filling up a few times a week. What's, what's happening here? Again, it's the it's the you know, and that, this is the interesting thing. Biden's um, speech on um, Wednesday was basically talking about how he's trying to combat these high oil and gas prices. No, they're not. They're not doing that. Everything they're doing is to try to make oil and gas expensive. This is they want. Look, the Biden administration wants high oil prices. They want high gas prices. Why? Because they don't want people using it. They think these are satanic fuels that are causing global warming, and they think that we have to stop. You know, stop using it. And so, the high gas prices. This is not an act of nature. It's not a hurricane that wiped out our energy. You know, facilities. It is a concerted um, effort in campaign by the Biden administration to destroy American oil and gas because they don't want us to use it. United States consumes about 20 million barrels of oil per day, Stephen, which Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, did not know when asked about it, which is interesting. For the energy secretary, feels like maybe that's a number you should have some vague connection to familiarity with. Joe Biden has released now 50 million barrels of oil. We do 20 million a day in this country as it is from the strategic oil reserve. Is this a good idea and is it gonna matter? What do you think? Well, let me just go back to that, your point about Jennifer Granholm not knowing how many barrels of oil we produce and, and consume a day. It is something the energy secretary should know. And here's the problem. We've got an energy secretary in Jennifer Granholm who knows any nothing about energy. We have a transportation secretary who's trying to deal with the, you know, with this crisis in terms of the supply chain problems. 
Pete Buttigieg knows nothing about transportation. You just have an absence of leadership in Washington to deal with these crises. Uh, none of them have any business experience. None of them have any management experience. And none of them have virtually any private sector experience. So why would we think that they could solve this problem? Um, should we be drawing down oil in the uh, in the strategic reserve? Probably a little bit. You know, I, I think it's probably a good policy right now. It's because we have to do this because of Biden's other policies. But it's it's a band aid. It's a band aid, and I'm borrowing that. Term from Joe, uh, from Joe Manchin, the West Virginia Democratic senator, who said, look, this isn't going to solve the problem. It may, it may reduce the price by five to 10 cents a gallon for maybe a month, but it's not, it's not the solution. The solution is to drill baby drill, use our energy, produce our energy, our oil, our gas, our coal, our nuclear power. We're shutting down oil. We're shutting down gas. We're shooting, shutting down nuclear power. They don't want hydropower. I mean, the left doesn't want the United States citizens to be using energy because they think it's going to destroy the planet. Meanwhile, China is building 100 coal plants. They don't care about climate change. They, they care about taking over the world economy, and they're laughing behind our back. Stephen, appreciate the expertise. Happy okay. Thanksgiving, despite all the problems. Good. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Good to see you. Have a great one. You too. Reporters are getting sick and tired of President Biden ignoring any and all questions at the end of a press conference. So why does he hate talking to the media so much? We'll get into that in quick hits. But I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto is getting hot again. Bitcoin, Ethereum, so many dozens of different digital tokens out there. And some of them can have huge gains. But how do you get started? That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based crypto companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. Because your comfort and security is their top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins. And they'll actually answer your phone call. If you've got a problem, you want to call them and ask what's going on, they'll answer. You need a team that has your back. That's what you'll get with My Digital Money. Go to MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, MyDigitalMoney.com. Quick hits are up next. NYU offered a post-verdict reflection safe space and care following the Rittenhouse uh, verdict. And Ahmaud Arbery's father declares all lives matter after the three men were found, three men rather, were found guilty of felony murder in the death of his son. Let's get into it in quick hits tonight. Um, first of all, Joe, Joe Biden is not somebody who should be the leader of the free world, right? Not somebody who should be president of the United States. He really should be focused on reading storybooks to the grandkids and having a blanket brought to put across his knees when it gets a little drafty. Instead, he has the nuclear codes, and we all realize at some level that this is a bizarre circumstance foisted on us by the Democrats who are ruthless in their desire for power and were able to fool people into thinking that Joe Biden was going to be a moderate and that Joe Biden would be a unifying force and a guy who really cares about the common man. It's not reality. But Biden knows at some level that that recognition is spreading. And so he also doesn't want to have to answer any questions. This is an example of that. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you and may God protect our troops. And I'm heading to a, a food kitchen to serve meals right now. Thank you for your time and effort. And I'll have plenty of time to talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. When will you answer our question? The answer is that they're not going to. Or he's not going to. He's no interest, doesn't care. Because, you know, whatever. He's Joe Biden. The media's going to generally, those journalists actually want to be able to do their job somewhat because, you know, they want to get some attention for themselves. 
Uh, they're annoyed by the fact that Joe Biden's a complete and utter empty suit. But anyway, thanks, Democrats. Good job. Let's hope the country doesn't have another huge crisis between now and we can replace Joe Biden with somebody else. The Women's March is a leftist, feminist, uh, lunatic organization. That's pretty well described, if I may say so myself. Women's, Mar women's March, um, <laughs> this is actually great. They apologized for an email containing $14.92. Why? Here's why. We apologize deeply for the email that was sent today. $14.92 was our average donation amount this week. It was an oversight on our part not to make the connection to a year of colonization, conquest, and genocide for indigenous people, especially before Thanksgiving. So now, whenever you see the number 1492, even if it's $14.92, you are to be terrified of that like a vampire exposed to garlic because of the possibility that somebody might see that and think of 1492 AD, the year of Columbus sailing the ocean blue, if we all recall from grammar school, and discovering the new world for the rest of the world. And that's a terrible thing, mind you, because of colonialism and whatever. Libs are insane. The Women's March at the front of the March of the Crazy. NYU, New York University, offered a post-verdict reflection space in the, in the, after the Rittenhouse trial and the acquittal across the board of Kyle Rittenhouse. The email read, join the post-verdict NYU community reflection space to process the verdict in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, this space will focus on this moment in time, its nuances, and global impact. Sponsored by NYU's Division of Student Affairs, the Office of Global Inclusion, and Student Government Assembly. Yeah. Um, college students should be able to hear a verdict and not be scared. Not feel like, oh my gosh. Because, by the way, in the Rittenhouse trial, it was the right verdict. There's another verdict that came down today that many people feel is justice being served once again. Ahmad Arbery, um, he was shot and killed by an individual. There were three men present for it. All three of the defendants in this trial uh, were found guilty of at least a murder charge, um, and they are facing very lengthy prison sentences. Ahmad Arbery's father, amidst all the uh, emotion today, said the following. For real, all life matters. All life. Yes. Not just black children. We don't want to see nobody go through this. Amen. I don't want to see no daddy watch a kid get left and shot down like that. That's right, Ma. So it's all our problem. It's all our problem. So, hey, let's keep fighting. Let's keep doing it and making this place a better place for all human beings. Amen. All human beings. Amen. Everybody. Love everybody. All human beings need to be treated equally. Well said. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.